0: chapter 60 part 3 of a popular history of france from the earliest times volume 6 this librivox recording is in the public domain a popular history of france from the earliest times volume 6 by françois guizot translated by robert black chapter 60 louis the 16th convocation of the states general 1787 to 1789 part 3 so much excitement in men's minds and so much commotion amongst the masses reasonably disquieted prudent folks in spite of its natural frivolity the court was at bottom sad and anxious the time had passed for the sweet life at the manor house of trianon for rustic amusements and the charity of youth and romance marie antoinette felt it deeply and bitterly In the preceding year, at the moment when M. de Calonne was disputing with the Assembly of Notables, she wrote to the Duchess of Polignac, who had gone to take the waters in England, "'Where you are, you can at least enjoy the pleasure of not hearing affairs talked about. Though in the country of upper and lower houses, of oppositions and motions, you can shut your ears and let the talk glide. But here there is a deafening noise, notwithstanding all I can do.' those words opposition and motion are as firmly established here as in the Parliament of England, with this difference, that when you go over to the opposition in London, you commence by relinquishing the King's graces, whereas here many oppose all the wise and beneficent views of the most virtuous of masters, and keep his benefits all the same. That, perhaps, is more clever, but it is not so noble. The time of illusions is over, and we are having some cruel experiences. Happily, all the means are still in the king's hands, and he will arrest all the mischief which the imprudent want to make. The queen preserved some confidence. She only half perceived the abyss beginning to yawn beneath her feet. She had not yet criticized the weakness and insufficiency of the king, her husband. She did not as yet write, The personage over me is not fit, and as for me, whatever may be said and come what may i am never anything but secondary and in spite of the confidence proposed by the first he often makes me feel it she was troubled nevertheless and others more sagacious were more so than she when i arrived at paris where i had not been for more than three years says m malouet for a long while the king's commissioner in the colonies and latterly superintendent of toulon Observing the heat of political discussions, as well as of the pamphlets in circulation, M. d'Entregue's work, and Abbé Sayez's, the troubles in Brittany, and those in Dauphiny, my illusions vanished. I was seized with all the terrors confided to me by Abbé Reynal on my way to Marseille. I found M. Necker beginning to be afraid, but still flattering himself that he would have means of continuing, directing, and bringing everything right. The Parliament was still more affrighted than M. Malouet and M. Necker. Summoned on the 28th of September to enregister the King's proclamation relative to the convocation of the States General, it added this clause: quote, "According to the forms observed in 1614." End quote. It was a reply in the negative on the part of the magistracy to all the new aspirations to the vote by polling or vote par tête as well as to the doubling of the third already gained in principle amongst the provincial assemblies the popularity of the parliament at once vanished m hardly returned from the isles of saint-marguerite and all puffed up with his glory found himself abandoned by those who had been loudest in vaunting his patriotic zeal an old councillor had but lately said to him when he was calling for the states-general with all his might providence will punish your fatal counsels by granting your wishes after the triumph of his return to paris amidst the desert which was forming around the parliament the martyr the hero of liberty as his enthusiastic admirers had been wont to call him had to realize that instability of human affairs and that fragility of popularity to which he had shut his eyes even in his prison when mirabeau ever biting and cynical Wrote to one of his friends, quote, neighborhood will doubtless procure you a visit from that immense despremenil the sage commentator upon Mesmer, who, from the Isles of St Marguerite, even unto this place, has made everybody laugh at the ostentation with which he shook his fetters to make them clank. End quote. The troubles amongst the populace had subsided, but agitation amongst the thoughtful went on increasing and the embarrassments of M. Necker increased with the agitation amongst the thoughtful. Naturally a stranger to politics properly so-called, constantly engaged as he was in finance or administration, the minister's constitutional ideas were borrowed from England. He himself saw how inapplicable they were to the situation of France. I was never called upon, he says in his memoirs, to examine closely into what I could make at the time of my return to office of my profound and particular esteem for the government of england for if at a very early period my reflections and my conversation could not but show symptoms of the opinions i held at a very early period also i perceived how averse the king was from anything that might resemble the political practices and institutions of england m necker says m malouet showed rare sagacity in espying in the greatest detail and on the furthest horizon the defects the inconveniences of every measure and it was this faculty of extending his observations to infinity which made him so often undecided what with these doubts existing in his own mind and what with the antagonistic efforts of parties as well as individual wills the minister conceived the hope of releasing himself from the crushing burden of his personal responsibility. He convoked for the second time the Assembly of Notables. Impotent as it was in 1787, this Assembly was sure to be, and was even more so, in 1788. Mirabeau had said with audacious intuition, quote, it is no longer a question of what has been, but of what has to be, end quote the notables clung to the past like shipwrecked mariners who find themselves invaded by raging waters meeting on the sixth of november at versailles they opposed in mass the doubling of the third estate the committee presided over by monsieur the king's brother alone voted for the double representation and that by a majority of only one voice the assembly likewise refused to take into account the population of the circumscriptions or outlying districts in fixing the number of its representatives the seneschalty of poitiers which numbered seven hundred thousand inhabitants was not to have more deputies than the bailiwick of Dourdan, which had but eight thousand the liberality on which the notables plumed themselves as regarded the qualifications required in respect of the electors and the eligible was at bottom as interested as it was injudicious the fact of domicile and payment of taxes did not secure to the electors the guarantee given by property. The vote granted to all notables, whether in fief or not, and to all members of the clergy for the elections of their orders, was intended to increase the weight of those elected by the number of suffrages. The high noblesse and the bishops reckoned wrongly upon the influence they would be able to exercise over their inferiors." already on many points the petty nobles and the parish priests were engaged and were to be still more deeply engaged on the popular side at the very moment when the public were making merry over the assembly of notables and were getting irritated at the delay caused by their useless discussions in the convocation of the states-general the parliament in one of those sudden fits of reaction with which they were sometimes seized from their love of popularity issued a decree explanatory of their decision on the twenty-fourth of September. The real intentions of the court, said the decree, have been distorted in spite of their plainness. The number of deputies of each order is not determined by any law, by any invariable usage, and it depends upon the king's wisdom to adjudge what reason, liberty, justice, and the general wish may indicate." The Parliament followed up this strange retraction, with a series of wise and far-sighted requests touching the totality of the public administration. Its part was henceforth finished. Wisdom in words could not efface the effect of imprudent or weak acts. When the decree was presented to the King, he gave the deputation a cold reception. I have no answer to make to the prayers of the Parliament, he replied. It is with the States general that I shall examine into the interests of my people whilst all the constituted bodies of the third estate municipalities corporations commissions of provincial assemblies were overwhelming the king with their addresses in favour of the people's rights the prince of conti whose character always bore him into reaction against the current of public opinion had put himself at the head of the opposition of the courtiers already at one of the committees of the assembly of notables he had addressed monsieur the most favourable of all the princes to the liberal movement Quote, the very existence of the monarchy is threatened he said its annihilation is desired and we are close upon that fatal moment it is impossible that the king should not at last open his eyes and that the princes his brothers should not co with him be pleased therefore to represent to the king how important it is for the stability of his throne for the laws and for good order that the new systems be forever put away And that the constitution and ancient forms be maintained in their integrity louis the sixteenth having shown some ill-humour at the prince of conti's remarks the latter sent him a letter signed by all the princes of the royal family except monsieur and the duke of orleans the perils with which the state was threatened were evident and even greater than the prince's letter made out the remedies they indicated were as insufficient in substance as they were contemptuous in form let the third estate, they said, cease to attack the rights of the two upper orders, rights which, not less ancient than the monarchy, ought to be as unalterable as the constitution, but let it confine itself to asking for diminution of the imposts with which it may be surcharged. Then the two upper orders might, in the generosity of their feelings, give up prerogatives which have pecuniary interests for their object whilst demanding on the part of the third estate this modest attitude, the princes let fall threatening expressions, the use of which had been a lost practice to the royal house since the days of the Fronde. In a kingdom in which for so long a time there have been no civil dissensions, the word chism cannot be uttered without regret, they said. Such an event, however, would have to be expected if the rights of the two upper orders suffered any alteration, and what confidence would not be felt in the mind of the people in protests which tended to release them from payment of imposts agreed upon in the states thirty dukes and peers had beforehand proposed to the king the renunciation of all their pecuniary privileges assuring him that the whole french noblesse would follow the example if they were consulted passions were too violently excited and the disorder of ideas was too general to admit of the proper sense being given to this generous and fruitless proceeding the third estate looked upon it as a manoeuvre against double representation the mass of the two orders protested against the forced liberality which it was attempted to thrust upon them people made merry over the signatories have you read the letter of the dupes and peers they said the assembly of notables had broken up on the twelfth of december the convocation of the states-general was at hand and the government of king louis the sixteenth still fluctuated undecidedly between the various parties which were so violently disputing together over public opinion left to itself the dismay of wise men went on increasing they were already conscious of the fruitlessness of their attempts to direct those popular passions of which they had but lately been reckoning upon availing themselves, in order to attain an end as laudable as it was moderate. One of the most virtuous, as well as the most enlightened, and the most courageous, M. Malouet, has related in his memoir the conversations he held at this very juncture with the ministers, M. Necker and M. Montmorin especially. It is worth while to give the complete summary, as sensible as it is firm, a truthful echo of the thoughts in the minds of the cream of the men who had ardently desired reforms and who attempted in vain to rein up the revolution in that fatal course which was to cost the lives of many amongst them and the happiness and peace of nearly all it is the first assembly of notables said m malouet which has apprised the nation that the government was henceforth subordinated to public opinion this is a false and dangerous position if it is not strong enough to enlighten that opinion direct it and restrain it the wish of france has summoned the states-general there was no way but to obey it the doubling of the third estate is likewise proclaimed in an irresistible manner but as yet there is nothing but your own mistakes to imperil the kingly authority your shiftings, your weaknesses, your inconsistencies, no longer leave you the resource of absolute power. From the moment that, exhibiting your embarrassments, you are obliged to invoke the counsels and aid of the nation, you can no longer walk without it. From its strength you must recruit your own. But your wisdom must control its strength. If you leave it bridleless and guideless, you will be crushed by it you must not wait then for the states-general to make demands upon you or issue orders to you you must hasten to offer all that sound minds can desire within reasonable limits whether of authority or of national rights everything ought to be foreseen and calculated in the king's council before the opening of the states-general you ought to determine what can be given up without danger in ancient usages forms maxims institutions obsolete or full of abuses all that the public experience and reason denounce to you as proscribed, take heed that you do not defend. But do not be so imprudent as to commit to the risks of a tumultuous deliberation, the fundamental basis and the essential springs of the kingly authority. Commence by liberally granting the requirements and wishes of the public, and prepare yourselves to defend, even by force, all that violent, factious, and extravagant systems would assail. In the state of uncertainty, embarrassment and denudation in which you have placed yourselves you have no strength i can feel i can see get out then of this state put fresh energy into your concessions into your plans in a word take up a decided attitude for you have it not the revolution which is at this instant being effected and which we may regard as accomplished is the elevation of the commons to an influence equal to that of the two other orders another revolution must follow that and it is for you to carry it out that is the destruction of privileges fraught with abuse and onerous to the people when i say that it is for you to carry out i mean that you must take your measures in such wise as to prevent anything from being done without you and otherwise than by your direction thus then you should have a fixed plan of concessions of reforms which instead of upsetting everything, will consolidate the basis of legitimate authority. This plan should become, by your influence, the text of all the bailiwick memorials. God forbid that I should propose to you to bribe, to seduce, to obtain influence by iniquitous means over the elections. You need, on the contrary, the most honest, the most enlightened, the most energetic men. Such are those who must be brought to the front, and on whom the choice should be made to fall admirable counsels on the part of the most honest and most far-sighted of minds difficult however if not impossible to be put into practice by feeble ministers themselves still undecided on the very brink of the abyss having to face the repugnance and the passions of the two privileged orders on which it was a question of imposing painful sacrifices however legitimate and indispensable they might be m malouet and those who thought with him more in number than anybody could tell demanded instructions as to the elections in the bailiwicks quote, can you have allowed this great crisis to come on without any preparations for defence without any combination they said to the ministers quote, you have through the police the superintendents the king's proctors in the tribunals means of knowing men and choosing them or at any rate of directing choice these means have you employed them m necker could not give his instructions he had not yet made up his mind on the question which was engaging everybody's thoughts he hesitated to advise the king to consent to the doubling of the third he had a timid pride which was based on his means on his celebrity and which made him incessantly afraid of compromising himself with public opinion which he could no longer manage to control when he found himself opposed by it said malouet marmontel who knew the minister well added that solitary mind abstracted self-concentrated naturally enthusiastic had little communication with men in general and few men were tempted to have communication with him he knew them only by glimpses too isolated or too vague and hence his allusions as to the character of the people at whose mercy he was placing the state and the king m necker's allusions as to himself never disappeared he had a vague presentiment of the weakening of his influence over public opinion and he was pained thereat he resolved at last to follow it. Quote, it is a great mistake he wrote at a later period in his memoir to pretend to struggle with only antiquated notions on your side against all the vigour of the principles of natural justice, when that justice renews its impulse and finds itself seconded by the natural desire of a nation. The great test of ability in affairs is to obtain the merit of the sacrifice before the moment when that same sacrifice will appear a matter of necessity." The favourable moment, which M. Necker still thought of seizing, had already slipped by him. The royal resolution proclaimed under this strange title, Result of the King's Council, held on the 27th of December, 1788, caused neither great astonishment nor lively satisfaction amongst the public. M. Necker was believed to be more favourable to the doubling of the Third Estate than he really was. The King was known to be weak, and resigned to following the counsels of the minister who had been thrust upon him. The cause of the Third Estate, said the report to the King, will always have public opinion for it. The wishes of the Third Estate, when unanimous, when in conformity with the principles of equity, will always be only another name for the wishes of the nation. The judgment of Europe will encourage it. I will say, then, upon my soul and conscience, and as a faithful servant of His Majesty, I do decidedly think that he may and ought to call to the States general a number of deputies of the Third Estate, equal to that of the deputies of the two other orders together, not in order to force on decisions by poll, or deliberation par tête, as appears to be feared, but in order to satisfy the general wishes of the commons of his kingdom. The King, said the Edict, having heard the report made in his council by the minister of finance relative to the approaching convocation of the states-general his majesty has adopted its principles and views and has ordained what follows one that the deputies shall be at least one thousand in number two that the number shall be formed as nearly as possible in the compound ratio of the population and taxes of each bailiwick three that the number of deputies of the third estate shall be equal to that of the other two orders together, and that this proportion shall be established by the letters of convocation." Quote. The die was cast. The victory remained with the third estate, legitimate in principle, and still possible perhaps to be directed and regulated, but dangerous and already menacing. Quote, it is not resistance from the two upper orders that I fear, said M. Malouet to the ministers, it is the excess of the commons. You have done too much, or let too much be done to prevent now the propositions I submitted to you from being realized. The point is not to go any further, for beyond lies anarchy. But if, in the very decided and very impetuous course taken by public opinion, the king should hesitate, and the clergy and noblesse resist, woe to us, for all is lost. Do you expect the least appearance of order and reason, in a gathering of twelve hundred legislators, drawn from all classes, without any practice in discussion and meditation over the important subjects they are about to handle, carried away by party spirit, by the impetuous force of so many diverging interests and opinions. If you do not begin by giving them fixed ideas, by hedging them through their constituents with instructions and impediments which they cannot break through, look out for all sorts of vagaries, for irremediable disorders. In his sad forecast of the confusion which threatened the new assembly, M Malouet counted too much upon the authority of mandates and upon the influence of the constituents. He was destined to look on impotent and despairing at that great outburst of popular passions which split asunder all ties and broke through all engagements as so many useless impediments. Quote, When the assembly, in the first paroxysms of its delirium, dared to annul its oaths, and declared itself freed from the yoke of the instructions which we received from our constituents, the king had a right. What do I say? He was bound to send us back to our bailiwicks, says M. Malouet. The states-general were convoked for the 27th of April, 1789, and not a soul had yet received instructions from the government. Those that we did at last receive, were as honest as they were insufficient they told us in substance to get adopted if we could the proposal to present candidates for the departments and to admit into the list of candidates none but men whose morality means and fair reputation were established to prevent wrangles chism between the orders and to carry in as far as in us lay the most moderate notions as regarded reforms and innovations it was no longer the king speaking it was the consulting counsel for the crown asking advice of everybody and appearing to say to everybody what's to be done what can i do how much do they want to lock from my authority how much of it will they leave me memoires de Monsieur malouet page two forty nine it was a tacit abdication of the kingship at the juncture when its traditional authority if not its very existence was brought to book the party of honest men, still very numerous and recruited amongst all classes of society, went confidently to the general elections, and the preparatory assemblies which had to precede them. Quote, Hardly conscious were they of the dark clouds which had gathered around us. The cloud shrouded a tempest which was not slow to burst. Memoir de Monsieur Malouet, page 260. The whole of France was fever-stricken. The agitation was contradictory and confused a medley of confidence and fear, joy and rage, everywhere violent and contagious. This time again Dauphiné showed an example of politic and wise behavior. The special states of the province had met on the 1st of December, 1788, authorized by the government according to a new system proposed by the delegates of the three orders. Certain members of the noblesse and of the clergy had alone protested against the mode of election. Mounier constantly directed the decisions of the third estate he restrained and enlightened young barnave advocate in the court who for lack of his counsels was destined to frequently go astray hereafter the deliberations were invariably grave courteous a majority as decided as it was tolerant carried the day on all the votes when i reflect upon all we gained in dauphiny by the sole force of justice and reason Wrote Mounier afterwards, in his exile, "I see how I came to believe that Frenchmen deserve to be free." M. Mounier published a work on the convocation of the States General, demanding the formation of two chambers. That was likewise the proposition of M. de la Luzerne, Bishop of Langres, an enlightened, a zealous, and a far-sighted prelate. Quote, this plan had probably no approbation but mine, says M. Malouet. The opposition and the objections were diverse and contradictory, but they were general. Constitutional notions were as yet novel and full of confusion in all minds. The most sagacious and most prudent were groping their way towards a future enveloped in mist. The useful example of Dauphiny had no imitators. Bourbonnais and Hainault had accepted the system proposed by M. Necker for the formation of preparatory assemblies. Normandy, faithful to its spirit of conservative independence, claimed its ancient privileges and refused the granted liberties. In Burgundy the noblesse declared that they would give up their pecuniary privileges, but that on all other points they would defend to the last gasp the ancient usages of the province. The clergy and noblesse of Languedoc held pretty much the same language. In Franche-Comté, where the state's provincial had not sat since Louis XIV's conquest, the strife was so hot on the subject of the administrative regimen that the ministry declared the assembly dissolved and referred the decision to the states-general the parliament of besancon protested declaring that the constitution of the province could not be modified save by the nationality of franche-comte and that deputies to the states-general could not be elected save by the estates of the country assembled according to the olden rule this pretension of the magistrates excluded the people from the elections they rose and drove the court from the sessions hall everywhere the preparatory assemblies were disturbed they were tumultuous in many spots in provence as well as in brittany they became violent in his province mirabeau was the cause or pretext for the troubles born at bignon near nemours on the ninth of march seventeen forty nine well known already for his talent as a writer and orator as well as for the startling irregularities of his life he was passionately desirous of being elected to the State's General. I don't think I shall be useless there, he wrote to his friend Chirruti. Nowhere, however, was his character worse than in Provence. There people had witnessed his dissensions with his father as well as with his wife. Public contempt, a just punishment for his vices, caused his admission into the State's provincial to be unjustly opposed. The assembly was composed exclusively of nobles in possession of fiefs, of ecclesiastical dignitaries, and of a small number of municipal officers. It claimed to elect the deputies to the states-general according to the ancient usages. Mirabeau's common sense, as well as his great and puissant genius, revolted against the absurd theories of the privileged. He overwhelmed them with his terrible eloquence, whilst adjuring them to renounce their abuseful and obsolete rights. He scared them by his forceful and striking hideousness. Generous friends of peace, said he, addressing the two upper orders, I hereby appeal to your honour. Nobles of Provence, the eyes of Europe are upon you. Weigh well your answer. Ye men of God, have a care. God hears you. But if you keep silence, or if you entrench yourselves in the vague utterances of a piqued self love, allow me to add a word in all ages, in all countries, aristocrats have persecuted the friends of the people, and if, by I know not what combination of chances, there have arisen one in their own midst, he it is whom they have struck above all, thirsting as they were to inspire terror by their choice of a victim. Thus perished the last of the Gracchi, by the hand of the patricians, but wounded to the death, he flung dust towards heaven, calling to witness the gods of vengeance, and from that dust sprang Marius, Marius less great for having exterminated the Cimbri than for having struck down at Rome the aristocracy of the noblesse. Mirabeau was shut out from the state's provincial, and soon adopted eagerly by the third estate. Elected at Marseille as well as at Aix for the state's general, he quieted in these two cities successively riots occasioned by the dearness of bread. The people, in their enthusiasm, thronged upon him, accepting his will without a murmur when he restored to their proper figure provisions lowered in price through the terror of the authorities. The petty noblesse and the lower provincial clergy had everywhere taken the side of the third estate. Mirabeau was triumphant. "'I have been, am, and shall be to the last,' he exclaimed, "'the man for public liberty, the man for the Constitution.' woe to the privileged orders if that means better be the man of the people than the man of the nobles for privileges will come to an end but the people is eternal brittany possessed neither a mounier nor a mirabeau the noblesse there were numerous bellicose and haughty the burgessdom rich and independent discord was manifested at the commencement of the states provincial assembled at rennes in the latter part of december 1788. The governor wanted to suspend the sessions. The two upper orders persisted in meeting. There was fighting in the streets. The young men flocked in from the neighboring towns. The state's room was blockaded. For three days the members who had assembled there endured a siege. When they cut their way through, sword in hand, several persons were killed. The enthusiasm spread to the environs. At Angers, the women published a resolution declaring that, the mothers, sisters, wives, and sweethearts of the young citizens of Angers, would join them if they had to march to the aid of Brittany, and would perish rather than desert the nationality. When election time arrived, and notwithstanding the concessions which had been made to them by the government, the Breton nobles refused to proceed to the nominations of their order if the choice of deputies were not entrusted to the state's provincial. They persisted in staying away, thus weakening by 30 voices their party in the states general end of chapter 60 part 3